welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. <laughs> where we are having so much fun on the pre-version of this show, we're thinking about coming out with the pre-podcast version because we actually m- mess around with all the equipment. The outtakes. And the outtakes. outtakes and, uh, yeah, yeah, so we've already had way too much fun before we even get started. The but... uncensored version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uncensored version that'll get us censored if we actually put it yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> I did not stand we'll behind, DVD. We'll I did not stand behind that last comment. I have no idea what he means by that. <laughs> you got to purchase the DVD version. Yeah. Do people even use DVD? I don't even know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I'm old school. Hey, we're excited about what God's doing uh, on all kinds of fronts. Uh, you know, we've said before, if you have a Christian worldview, you really can't be pessimistic because you serve a really big God and he's powerful. So yeah. for instance, like we just saw Chicago's on taking one step closer to liberation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening into this on, on Thursday, uh, uh, we got news on Tuesday, which is like when we're recording this, that uh, there's going to be at least, we know there's going to be a change of leadership in Chicago, which is great because uh, we've watched that city become less and less safe. We've watched the Chicago Bears get so fed up with what's going on in the city, they're actually moving the entire franchise out of the city, which is mind-boggling to me that a that a historic team like you right. know the Chicago Bears would go to great lengths to flee the city themselves. But anyway, that's uh, I think at least good news. I hope I hope uh, I guess anybody for would be an improvement from what we've seen for the last few years. But anyway, that, that that's good news for uh, any of us that would like to like go back into the city at some <laughs> point in time. <laughs> uh, and then I want to make make mention because um, uh, as you're watching this. Uh, Friday night, we if those of you that are close to Crown Point Livingstone's Church, we are having a, a great night of worship, which we try to do quarterly. These are amazing nights where we just, you know, with no agenda really, get in the Lord's presence, uh, enjoy Him, sing, celebrate, be with each other, uh, and just, you know, create an atmosphere where we just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. But is as if that's not amazing enough. And any of you that have, have been to those nights know it's just a really rich uh, night of, of celebration. But we we got this great idea not too long ago that, hey, during the intermission time, let's let's use it for water baptism because our Sunday morning services have, have a sw- a swelled up to right. where we've got no room and no time and no parking, among other things. Um, but we thought, you know, let's let's instead of doing baptism on Sunday morning, let's let's combine them with our worship night. Well, that was a good idea, until we found out. At least uh, this coming Friday, we're going to be baptizing over fifty people now, and I don't know where that number is going to go. If you're watching this and you've never given your life to Christ or you've never followed it uh, in obedience in terms of water baptism, we encourage you, come on out, call the church first. We'd like to know who you are and that you're coming. Um, but don't let that stop you. Come on out and uh, join the the crowd. I mean, it's amazing uh, seeing what, what the Holy Spirit's doing right now. Yeah, I'm just coming to see how logistically you're going to do this. You're just coming. Hey, now we're going to put you to work because we're going to need a lot. I'll be handing out towels, 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 towels. <laughs> Well, even there, it's interesting. We've had to make some adjustments because both of the bathrooms off the off the baptistry yeah. are not large enough to accommodate no. you know fifty people. So yeah. we're going to have to have people going down the hallway into the other bathrooms. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm here to watch the logistics <laughs> of all that's going to happen. You're going to baptize them to the beat of the music, like the downbeat. Someone goes up. So we're actually doing baptisms before, baptisms yeah. middle, baptisms after. Yeah. But I guess bottom line is, um, 
you know, how exciting. Uh, it's it's really yeah. uh, the move of God that's happening, not just at, locally, but across the nation. Uh, of course, we touched on this in our last podcast. Really, really uh, excited to seeing that. And and I just wanted to ask you, too, I don't know if you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie yet. Have you no. guys been? Mm-mm. I strongly recommend it. Give a shameless plug for that movie. Of course, it highlights, you know, Chuck Smith and a lot of the uh, Calvary Chapel uh, churches that were really birthed out of that movement. Uh, Greg Laurie, uh, Harvest Chapel, great, you know, evangelist. Uh, but it highlights that crazy move of God that really came after a lot of disillusioned young people bought into the sexual revolution, the whole yeah. anti-war Viet- post-Vietnam era, and uh, uh, just the big push for the psychedelic drugs and free sex and, you know, revolt. No revolution. consequences. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, of course, that proved to be a, a, a very empty, unsatisfying, dead-end street. And a lot of these young people were looking for something. And, you know, Chuck Smith did something very disruptive. And we talked to, even here at Living Stones, we made a disruptive decision when we said, hey, we're, we're going to be the church. We're going to open our doors. And, of course, that was a controversial decision. But for us, it ended up producing an incredible amount of fruit. Hungry people started coming out to worship. Our church exploded in size and is continuing to grow to this date. It was a disruptive decision, but we believe the right decision. Well, Chuck Smith was confronted with pastoring a nice, you know, conservative, staid, coat and tie, you know, kind of a church service. Mm -hmm. But all these hippies started showing up who were encountering Jesus and looking for a place to call home. Many of them had never been to church in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they started showing up kind of dressed the wrong way, looking the wrong way, talking the wrong way, at least according to the conservative Christian wineskin, you know? And Chuck Smith really had a a decision to make as the movie portrays. uh, Do I I risk offending some of the religious crowd or do I open up our church and let it become a a home for a Mm -hmm. bunch of homeless kids? And he did the latter, and the rest is history, because it he really opened his arms to to embrace what has now become a, a, a Jesus revolution. It was, according to Time magazine, it was on the cover of Time and some of the national magazines, but this was the greatest religious revival in the history of America. And one of the scenes, in particular, this is why I tie it into the baptism discussion we just had, but one of the scenes was how they would you know, just baptize young people in the ocean, uh, and you just see hundreds of them just making their way into the water and baptizing over and over and over again. Just a, people coming from all over to be baptized. Right. And uh, as we're sitting there watching all that, I'll tell you what was most exciting to me was just, could we be on the verge of another historic move of God? You know, and it got me excited. Of course, half the half the uh, the uh, movie theater was was our friends and family here at Living Stones, and uh, just the buzz afterwards and talking about what the Holy Spirit's doing and. You know, and just dreaming, you yeah. know, it doesn't cost anything to dream. What does the Holy Spirit have up his sleeve now? And how do we basically stay out of his way, cooperate with him and, and welcome what he's doing, a fresh expression of, of an outpouring in our generation? Yeah, amen. So got very, very excited about that. And I would just tell everybody, please go out. This movie's blowing away all expectations. I think they were expecting the first week and maybe to gross about $7 million. They uh, over doubled that. And uh, and now they're you know adding a bunch more showings and I think it's one of those things that could really create a lot of momentum in our culture and and momentum just in our churches as a whole. So praise the Lord. Once again, the hunger that God could show up and that people are hungry for something beyond just materialism or, or right. whatever the culture has to offer. And religion. I mean, you know, 
It's not about just showing up, punching the time clock. You know, people are hungry for a fresh encounter with the Lord. Yeah, something real and genuine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so anyway, praise the Lord for that. But back to our, our podcast here. We've been uh, dedicated to communicating the foundations of of our success in the West. Like, why why are, are we blessed? Why are we blessed on every measure? And how the gospel and Christian worldview, which flows from the gospel, elevates people. And I, I want to get into a really great passage of Scripture today, really tying back to the idea that the reason um, for our unbridled success as nations who follow Christ and who are rooted in His Word is because we build our our principles, our ideas on the infrastructure that comes from God's ideas in the Bible, which we call revelation. In other words, we were just chatting about this beforehand. It's not human reason that allows us to come to the right conclusion alone. Obviously, reason, when it's reasoning off of Scripture and off of revelation, it can take you to a good place. But reason by itself really leads to greater confusion and greater tyranny and oppression. But it's revelation. It's God's ideas. It's God's words. It's God's ideas of things that that creates a solid uh, infrastructure on which to build reality and, and life. And, um, and so we're going to be talking about some incredible principles from the first chapter of John today. They're very philosophical. They're short and they're pithy, but they, what I love about philosophy is, is um, it's the building blocks that upon which you can build a giant skyscraper. So these building blocks are powerful, and when you when you lay them at the foundation of whatever it is you're trying to build, they provide a solid foundation. So let's take a look at some of these. I want to start reading in John chapter 1, uh, beginning with the first five verses here. And I'll just read it, and then you and I can break down some amazing principles sure. that have incredible... Um, <laughs> Uh, effect and impact on the way that we live in our world today. The Bible says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Mm. So that's a, that's a very elaborate, uh, beautiful uh, passage of Scripture, uh, John's prologue there. it's In John's gospel, it's unlike any of the other gospels. We, we usually encounter Jesus or John the Baptist or supernatural birth of Christ, but this is how John launches his gospel, which makes it utterly unique. And, uh, and there's some key principles here. The first one, let's talk about this one, is the fact that mind exists before matter. Uh, in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, that word logos. It, it, it literally means that, that rationality, order, ideas, um, uh, a mind, a framework uh, for reality existed before any of the material world existed. Yeah. What a radical, radical idea and concept. Because that's not what evolution teaches. That's not the world in which we find ourselves today. It is a deeply ph philosophical thought, but it, it, if you really think about it, it's, it applies to every experience that we have. Right. Right. Order comes before chaos, and or you know, and and ultimate order is really a mind. It's a personality. It's a person. It's it's a it's an entity. It's intelligence. Yes. Intelligence is what creates order and all the and creates all these different things. It, it, chaos doesn't create order. Right. I've never seen chaos by itself 
create better, you know, a messy room just cleans up by itself. I've never seen that happen ever. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So the word logos is where we get our word logic from. And everybody today that, that tries to, you know, well, I'm, I'm not religious. I'm logical. Or I'm, I believe in science. Well, what is science? Science couldn't even operate if there was not a pre-existing mind or logos well, or order. Well, there's actually uh, there's a second law of thermodynamics, you know, within a certain closed systems, you know, everything proceeds towards chaos or entropy. So there's actually a law that describes how there must be order before chaos. The right. order then decays into chaos. But who created the order in the first place? That's the question we must ask, right? There you go. There you go. And John gives us the answer to that. The Logos existed. The mind of the mind of God, which is embodied in Jesus Christ, existed before anything on earth existed. In other words, there was a pre-existing intelligence. So the universe that we're, we're studying would be... Uh, would, would not be a fruitful endeavor if we did not believe there was some built-in intelligence in the... In other words, the universe has to have meaning. Uh, the universe has to have built-in uh, intelligence or order, or else it would be unstudyable. Uh, even in ourselves, we have to have a pre-existing mind or intelligence to make us, or we ourselves would be meaningless and we wouldn't be having this well, conversation. <laughs> I mean, he imagines just growing up and you're just like, well, you... like. You know, you're three years old and you're just like, where did I come from? We asked that question. You just happened, existed. It's like, no, what? No, yeah, I so, came from somewhere. So evolution teaches us the opposite. Matter existed before mind. In other words, somehow matter gives, gives rise to uh, mental processes. But that doesn't make sense. We don't see that anywhere. In well, fact, we just see the opposite. Well, that's why these... So so now, like, to me, the issue is not even evolution. It's these these, these quantum physicists who are trying to find, like, the, the how, what happened before so the so-called Big Bang, because they, they're trying to come around the God principle that, that there, there's a mind, because they're saying somehow matter came from somewhere. And because they know, they understand that you can't just came out of nowhere. They came from somewhere. There's all these crazy theories out there to And it's not just that. matter, but it's ordered matter. Order. Yeah. In other words, you know, things aren't just flying together and sticking right. accidentally. Um, there's incredible order that is embedded in the way that matter expresses itself. Well, that's what you're saying. Is, is matter by itself is very, very orderly. You look at a random atom, you look at some dust flying around. Within that dust, there's crazy order within the, the atoms, right. within the subatomic particles, within the laws of physics, the laws of gravity, the laws of, of the... I mean, there's crazy order that even in the craziest chaos you see, there's an infinite amount of order that's already established in place. Right. And, and Where did that come And from? scientists who understands all that look at that and be like, where did that exactly? And, where did that come and from? we're going to tell you where it came from. John chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> Mind existed but see, before that's, matter. That's too, that's too simple. That's too simple an explanation. That's too, that's too intuitive. You know, that's too, you know, that's, that's, that, that makes too much sense. In other words, exactly, and it, and it, and it makes sense because God's very straightforward. Uh, you know, the material universe was created on purpose out of the mind of a living God, the Logos. Uh, that's John chapter one, verse one. So God is ultimate reality. He creates the physical world, and you and I are here because He is. He, He, because He exists, and because uh, He is intelligent, and because He is the foundation of reality. Uh, therefore, our lives have meaning and we have existence. So this, so here's the principle. The supernatural creates the natural. Mind before matter. Supernatural before natural. Evolution teaches, atheistic uh, naturalism teaches just the opposite. Um, matter somehow gives rise to mind. 
uh, but that that's not our experience anywhere in reality. And uh, and again, John chapter one verse one gives us the reason why. Let's talk about the second one. Not only do we have mind before matter, but God exists before man. In other words, we didn't. You know, again, evolution says, "Oh no, we existed and we create gods in our own image." Uh, it turns everything upside down. But John chapter one says, "The Word was with God." And the word was God. So the clear principle being God before man. Let me share uh, some amazing passages here. This this is Proverbs chapter 8, uh, verses 27 through 30. Um, it says, I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizons on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above, when he established the springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits of the seas so that they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect by his side. This is talking about uh, Jesus Christ, the co-creator, standing by God the Father's side. I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. First of all, what I love about this passage is it highlights the fact that, that God exists in, in, in uh, uh, community, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says here that Jesus saying, I was the Father's delight, always rejoicing in his presence. There's this beautiful relational community in the Trinity. And out of that unity, God speaks and calls forth the material world. And it says all the angels were just celebrating and rejoicing in awe of, of matter and the, and the physical world as God created it. Um, and of course, we read this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, through the Son, Jesus Christ, he created the universe. Now, this is important because the fact that God exists before us means that because God has intrinsic meaning and understanding and value and wisdom, we, by extension as his creation, are we have that intrinsically. We don't have to run around trying to find ourselves, prove our worth. All of that is a given uh, by the fact that God proceeds us. Yeah, and when you say we perceive God, which is a weird statement just in itself, basically then we are the gods in that par in that relationship because what comes first is right is is the gods, right? Is is, is the designer, yes. is the architect of the of meaning. Yes. So so that post-secular uh sorry, postmodern idea that we we create a gods is basically saying we are gods and we give ourselves meaning. And if you give yourself meaning, that's a dangerous path to go down. Right. Down and if you pretend to be a god, uh, then that's a scary thing too. That's because thing. Uh, yeah. if you're a god, then anything goes. You make the rules, and uh, you live in a crazy, crazy world. But this is a again a profound philosophical idea based on revelation that because there is a god, and we we find our existence from him. You know, we I've talked about this before in our, some of our messages. You know, I cannot say who I am apart from giving the name of God, who is the I am. So if, I, if someone says, who are you? Well, I'm Ron Johnson. Uh, I have to say God's name before I say my name. It, it, it's, it's, it's more than just a linguistic fascination, you know. Uh, it's the truth. Uh, I am nothing apart from the I am. He's the foundation of reality. He is ultimate reality. And, and you'll never find yourself or your place in the world until you understand that God is the reason you're here. Um, and again, that's a profound truth, I think, for people in our culture today. It, it's a humbling thing. But until you humble yourself and, and acknowledge the existence of the I Am, God Almighty, creator of the universe, uh, you have no hope of discovering who you are. 
Uh, it's a great message for every young person today, looking at graduation, trying to figure out who who am I and where do I fit in this great big world? Well, you better start with God. Well, it, it's on the surface, it seems uh, restrictive, but if you dive into it, and just like most greatest truth in the world, when you die, really dive into it, you, feel, you realize there's a paradox. Of, it seems like it's restrictive, but there's great freedom in the middle of that. Oh, absolutely. And Jesus talks about it over and over again. Absolutely, and it makes logical sense. Great which joy, is, great freedom. The yeah. Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Uh, powerful foundation for meaning, which leads us to the, to the third point here, and I think this is profound as well. And I, as obvious as the nose on our faces, the third principle is design before creation. Now, you talked about this uh, in our first point, because some of these overlap a little bit, but if there's no mind, uh, divine mind, uh, order, logic, intelligence, then the universe would be chaos. But it's the same thing. You know, every day I walk out, I look outside the windows of our church, and I see a whole lot of building going on. It would be absolutely foolish for to suggest that people are going to randomly show up, start throwing pipes around, digging holes, pouring concrete. It's like, no, 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 there, there's no, this is not random and accidental. We have a blueprint that some really brilliant minds, smarter than my minds, have sat down and come up with a literally a blueprint for every single aspect of that building before it's even a hole is dug or before any supplies are brought here or any of the pro building processes begin. Those plans have to be on paper, every minute detail, and they have to be approved. And, and those plans are, are based on laws. Like, you can't build certain things because of the laws of physics, right? I mean, you have, there has to be so much footers or foundation to support the structure that's going up with the steel. Um, all of that's been thought through. And, and the amazing thing is these are all hard scientific laws that nobody would dispute. Like, in the area of the hard sciences... You know, like civil engineers and all these different engineers. Like, no one argues with an engineer because it's math, right? I mean, it's logic. Like, no, you cannot build that span without this many support beams, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you cannot go up this many feet if you don't go down this many feet with, with a foundation. So the whole idea being there, there is an intricate design that takes place before there's ever uh, any building that happens. I think the same way with our bodies. Like, are you going to go if, you, if, you're, if your child has, uh, you need surgery, right? You just don't go out and say, hey, well, you know, see what you can do and cut her open and, you know, and see what it looks like in there. I mean, there's like scientists and doctors who have studied the human body for years and years and years. There's been all kinds of laws and procedures and models for healing people that, that great minds have spent all kinds of time designing. Instrumentation, right, that, that's used now that's unbelievable. None of it happened by accident. It all assumed that there was design before something was created. And this just makes sense, it's, except when it comes to you and I, or when it comes to morality. Or, yeah. um, that's when we, we, we tend to balk at it. Um, you know, the perfect example is always that, you know, Walt Disney World existed in Walt Disney's mind before there was any rides or kingdoms or princesses or anything that was that came into being. Yeah. It existed in Walt Disney's mind before that happened. Or I, you know, I love the example of the cell phone. What, what an incredible piece of instrumentation here to suggest that all of this was just thrown together is stupid. I mean, this took some of the finest minds in the world to figure out how you could make this phone do what it, what it does. Um, and and it's, it's equally 
you know, foolishness to suggest that the human body or that morality or that the things that God has spoken in his word did not come through us from his great mind, which leads to maximum blessing in society and life. Um, I, yeah. I, I got all kinds of examples here of the Willis Tower in Chicago. Uh, 25,000 miles of electrical cable in that building. I mean, it's crazy. 43,000 miles of telephone cable, 16,000 windows, 76,000 tons of steel, uh, 4.5 million gross square feet, uh, roughly 101 football fields under, under roof. Like, that, think, think of the mind that went into that before it was created, and now we drive by and we see it. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely stunning. I think, you know, a lot of times when you grow up in the church, when you see these laws and regulations, you see your initial instinct, at least mine was, this is to restrict me. This is to keep me from doing bad things. We don't ask the deeper question. Yep. And, the de- and, 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 and the pastors or the preachers of the churches, whatever, have maybe never communicated because communicated that principle you just shared is like, no, those rules and these laws and these principles give is not actually to diminish your freedom. It's simply help you operate the world as given to us in a most successful way. You know, if if I give a car to a guy who's never even seen a car ever before, you know, what will he do with it? You know, he maybe he hit on the trunk all day and trying to get the car to get going. <laughs> You'd have no clue. Have like, no what, clue. what is this What thing? is this wheel yeah. thing? What does that yeah, do? You yeah. know, you got to put the key in the thing. Like, that's basically how we view the world right now. We're like, we're like, hey, forget the instruction manual, okay? Because that instruction manual is to restrict us, is domineering, is tyrannical, is oppressive. Yep. So yep. what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to plug some ho- put, put some holes in the tires, and I'm going to feel the air that comes out of the tire because it feels so good because that's how this is designed to. <laughs> I'm trying you know? to figure this out on my own. Oh, my own. Yep. Versus just saying, well, wait a second. This, these laws, these rules are freeing. So yeah. now I can operate this car yeah. like it's supposed to. I, I forget where exactly uh, chapter and verse this f- is found in the Psalms, but it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The psalmist is basically crying out to the Lord. He, he says, I am a stranger here on earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Isn't that good? It's like I find myself in a world of which I didn't create, here I am. I didn't create me. I don't even know me, and I don't know how to relate to this world around me. If you don't reveal who I am and, and what is my place in this world, if you don't instruct me, I'm hopeless. I'm a stranger. That's humility, and I think that's the problem with most of our human condition is we simply don't want to humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, I'm a stranger here. Please show, show me how to live. Show me, the, show me the meaning of all this. And I think many Christians miss this picture, too, because uh, you know, whatever environment you grew up in the church, and again, you see the Scripture as restrictive. Versus it sets us free. Yeah, liberated. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I go back to Charles Darwin. Darwin is famous for, for looking in a mirror at his eye. And, of course, you know, he was trying to propose. He, he was not an atheist himself, um, but those of his followers quickly took his theory as, a, as, a, as an opportunity to get rid of God. But, but he said when he looked at the human eye, it sent chills down his spine, as it should. Because the human eye is an incredibly advanced piece of of, uh, of technology or an organ in our body. I mean, what it does. I've got I've got some information here on the eye. This is crazy. I don't know, Matthew. How much on these cell? You're you're our cell phone expert. 
on an iPhone, how many pixels is in the, is in the camera? Do you know? I mean, roughly? Oh, the, the camera, there's like, I think it's like 12 megapixels. Or 12 something. megapixels. Yeah, All right. That's 12, exactly 12 to 20, yeah. That's exactly the information I needed. Because do you know that your human, the human eye has 576 megapixels? So this is an amazing piece of technology. This is garbage compared to your eye. Like, how does your eye get 576 megapixels, 200 million working parts in the human eye, 7 million cones, 100 million cells called rods, 107 million light-sensitive cells? Um, and this is incredible. We have 125 million nerve endings in our retina, which funnels information into our optic nerve, which is made up of, of 1 million separated insulated fibers so that there's no short-circuiting taking place. So each one of those fibers is like covered in a, in a, in a, in a sheath to keep information from short-circuiting across our, our retina. How in the world does that happen? by successive adaptive changes over gazillions of years. Like, if your eye's not all together at one time, it ain't working, and it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, this is what caused Charles Darwin to have chills go down his spine because he realized, how in the world would that happen by accident? And that's exactly why atheistic evolution is so ridiculous, because it starts off by saying that before there was design, there was creation and and in other words cre creation gets higher gets designed at higher and higher adaptive levels right over over gazillions of years by accident where does that happen anywhere in real life in, in in ultimate reality where does that happen it doesn't happen it completely turns the biblical principle of design before creation and it says no creation leads to design it turns it all upside down and it's completely backward and i always like to say where's an example of that um, in real life um, nobody just starts letting random things fly together and we end up with a better project and each time it gets better and better. It doesn't happen that way by accident. It takes incredible design. And a lot of money. And a lot of money. <laughs> um, I love this quote by, by a guy that's not a Christian, uh, Paul Davies. He's a physicist. But, but this, this is just, a, this is just a, an ungodly mind using reason and coming up with some level of truth. He said, if the world's finest minds can unravel with difficulty the deeper workings of nature. How could it be supposed that those workings are merely a mindless accident, a product of blind chance? In other words, if you're thinking about the human eye and the greatest minds in the world that have studied the eye, and the greatest ophthalmologists, right, experts on the eyeball, have spent years and years and years and years and years trying to figure it out. How could we assume that the process by which it came into being was completely random and haphazard? It's completely illogical. So you have to look at that and go, wow, how did that complexity uh, get there? Uh, in other words, there's intelligence at work here. There's design at work here. Where did it come from? It did not come from matter itself. Uh, so that's a great question. Uh, point number four here, and how are we doing on time? We, let's, take about, let's take about five minutes here sure. and wrap this up. The fourth principle is life comes from life. Uh, in other words, the inanimate cannot give rise to the animate. In other words, if, you, if something is inanimate, you cannot get life out of an inanimate object. And yet that's exactly what evolution teaches. It's the theory of spontaneous generation. Um, that life has arisen from non-life. 
Again, give me one example in real life where that has ever happened. You, you can't come up with one. Um, uh, another uh, atheist, uh, Quentin Smith from Western Michigan Philosophy Department says, uh, the universe came from nothing, by nothing, for nothing. What, what a depressing statement. Came from nothing. Well, something cannot come from nothing. It came by nothing. Uh, things do not create themselves, so it had to. It had to have intelligence and design. And for nothing means that there's no purpose whatsoever. That's all you have left if you live in a godless universe. The universe came from nothing, by nothing, for nothing. So we might as well not even get out of bed in the morning because life has become completely meaningless. Yeah, and all, of all the great technologies we have created so far, we have not produced anything that is self-replicating, at least self-replicating to the level of its own sophistication. Now, I know there's a big hype right now on artificial intelligence, so that might be forthcoming to do it. But, but artificial intelligence require great intelligence to create <laughs> yeah, artificial exactly. intelligence. Exactly. But I'm just saying, you know, the, the most intricate iPhone you create, you know, this iPhone's crazy technology, but this iPhone is not producing the iPhone by itself. Right. It takes, so, it takes human beings working with the created realm to, to produce Right. That. So to produce self-reproducing... Re, re, uh, intelligence or life, it's super high level intelligence to do that. But every single one, life is a tree is self, a self-producing intelligent, uh, well, it's not intelligent, but, but, but complex, complex right. being. Right. Know? And even, again, you can create processes to like do mathematical equations faster than the human mind, but whatever you create never rises above its source. So it was the human mind in the first place that conceived of that. The, the artificial intelligence did not conceive of itself. We, we conceived it. Right. So whatever you conceive will never rise higher than the source, which is why in the Christian view of things, all of life is derived and supported and sustained by God Almighty, and that's simply the doctrine of providence. God creates the universe, he sustains the universe, he superintends over the universe, and he holds it all together. And that's the beauty of the Christian worldview. It makes complete sense. Let's end with this. All enlightenment comes from the light with a capital L. Jesus, of course, is the word or the logos of God. He's the blazing center of truth and unity and coherence and beauty and goodness. That's Jesus Christ. In fact, Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the truth. Colossians chapter 1, the apostle Paul writes, He existed, meaning Jesus, before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. Well, these are powerful, powerful statements that highlight the centrality of Jesus Christ being the source of all all light and all truth. Um, and how about, you know, I, I, I love this, this truth here. It says all knowledge requires faith. Let's just pause there. Why, why does faith precede knowledge and reason? Because you have to have faith that reason corresponds to reality. Yeah. So the only reason that we use reason is we actually believe reason is a valid tool. So it takes faith. To believe that reason is is workable. At and some point, you got to make a leap of faith that yeah. what you see, what your brain, that you're not crazy, right? You're and not that living. you're not delusional. Yep. Yeah. So faith precedes reason. So someone would say, "Well, I, I believe in reason. I'm not one of those religious people." Well, yeah, you are. You you put your faith in reason. Why do you do that? Um, faith and reason always must precede all other faiths. And I love this. All methods of knowing rely on certain assumptions. We have to have certain underlying assumptions in which we put our faith in and which are uh, which structure our worldview. So the whole point here is faith is critical to every philosophy, and all philosophy has a religious starting point. 
So this puts us all on common ground. Even the atheistic naturalist has faith in certain beliefs that that they believe uh, uh, as foundational before they even step into their philosophy. In other words, they have certain things that are are a priori, uh, uh, foundational pre-beliefs before they even move into their discipline. Uh, and so I love this. We're not we're not saying we're religious. You're not. No, no. Everybody is religious. The question is. Where do you place your faith at the very starting point? Yeah. And that's why I love John chapter 1, verse 1, it, it, and verse the first four verses there. These are philosophical building blocks that are massive. They're so simple and yet so profound, uh, so elegantly stated, and yet they provide the building blocks for everything. Um, and I love this. In the absence of revelation, all of reality is meaningless, because if mind doesn't exist before matter, then all of this is... Is chaos, as you pointed out to start with. And if you go back to John, you know, I mean, he basically lays out a very powerful and coherent worldview of, of the Christian worldview from a philosophical and an origin standpoint. I mean, I know the Genesis talked about at the beginning, but John actually talks about it from a philosophical perspective. Yeah. And, and he concludes this philosophical perspective with basically says, God created everything. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of origin. There's a lot of principles. But guess what? You are not alone. You know, I remember one time we had those like uh, blackout that came out of nowhere. Yep. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like it was storming. We were kind of preparing for it. It was just like a, a, someone ran into something. Right. It night. And it just like the whole neighborhood, everything shut down in the house. And uh, it was it was a surprise. It was like pitch black. It just like what is going on here? And then. Um, and my one of my kids f- somehow they found the flashlight. It was so dark you you couldn't even you know like you gotta grab your phone to have the light and they grab the flashlight and turn the flashlight and that beam of light was like salvation. It was like wow, it was so bright yeah, in contrast yeah. to everything else, yep. you know. Yep. And I think John was saying, look, yes, this is a confusing world. This is not a world you can figure out on your own. In fact, if you try to figure out on your own, you're gonna get more and more lost. Yep. But there is hope because when Jesus came. He brought that bright light yeah. so you can navigate. That's the purpose. That's why even this description says his life brought light to everyone because he's trying to contrast that without Jesus, we are in darkness. Yeah. We We're have no hope. We're around trying to figure out whether it's up or down or what. Yeah, and we might pretend you know what's going on. You might have the... Yeah. All the PhDs, you might have whatever, but deep in your heart, we're completely lost. And our only hope is found in that light that's found in Christ. Yeah. It's like a blind person trying to put together a puzzle on this table. You know, you can feel the pieces, but you have no idea what the picture looks like. And you certainly have no idea how the picture, how the, how the individual pieces fit together apart from the larger picture. And that, that's what the Christian worldview gives us. It gives us the box top of the, of the puzzle and says, this is what it's supposed to look like like now it gives you a plan for how to put all the pieces together absolutely and so uh, we hope this podcast continually helps you put the pieces together but it all starts by humbling yourself by acknowledging the greatness of god by asking him to come into your life to lead your life and to help your life make sense he is the light of the world and man when, when you've got jesus as the blazing center of meaning and purpose and beauty and goodness and reality. Uh, he makes life all of those things as well. So uh, again, this gets me fired up. I, I used to I used mm-hmm. to leave my classes in college where we studied worldview and I, I would find my, my bride-to-be as soon as I could and I, I, I would just tell her everything I was learning because when you live in a meaningful world uh, and you see the beauty of truth, 
it makes you excited. And, uh, and that has been, I guess, the secret to my, why I'm still excited. I love to learn. I love to understand the universe. I love to, to see the beauty of the Lord and the wisdom of God in, in creation, uh, as opposed to living in a deep, dark, meaningless, purposeless planet. Uh, what, a, what a depressing, depressing worldview. Uh, so praise God for his truth. And uh, we just want to trumpet that every week. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast. Please share it with your friends and we'll look forward to getting together with you next Thursday. By the grace of God, we'll continue to celebrate the greatness of who he is. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. Bye.